I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Playing Footsie podcast. Uh, today, you've got me, Briscoe, and you've got Stephen. And the other Stephen, Steve D, is off sick today. So we've replaced him with Sven Carlin. Uh, yeah. That's who we've got today. So in case you didn't know Sven, uh, Sven is uh, probably the biggest value investor on YouTube. Uh, I'm pretty sure he'd be able to say, he'd say that as well. Um, he's also done a PhD. I think his PhD thesis was in risk management. This guy knows if, if there's anything you want to know about investing, this guy knows it. So Sven, welcome today. And uh, where are you coming from today? Uh, it looks pretty good where you are. Uh Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. I'm currently in Slovenia and I'm actually at uh, my kids' daycare because they have a better internet line than I have at home. So I have had to come here so that uh, I can talk to you. You've probably got a better in internet connection than I have, to be honest with you. So that that's pretty good. So yeah, today, uh, basically today, we've I've got we've managed to get Sven on. So I'm just going to ask him a load of questions because I want to know everything about about you, mate, and I want to know where you started investing. In fact, let's just get get started. How did you get into investing, and why did you start? So. I was born in the former Socialistic Republic of Yugoslavia, where a stock market didn't even exist. So then we had the war and things like that. And then stocks and actually a stock exchange only started somewhere in 1998. And uh, as you had something called privatization, where all the big companies were given to all the population, my parents got some stocks and... Uh, uh, as soon as those, they, they got the stocks, they sold everything. But I kept following the stock prices and I saw that if they would have waited six months, they would have doubled their money. If they would have waited a year, two years, they would have tripled their money. And then I said, wait a minute, there's something with the stock market <laughs> that there must be something good. Uh, and then I started reading some books. I think the first book I got my hands, I was about 15, 16 Despite whatever says about Robert Kiyosaki, the first book, Rich Dad, <laughs> Poor Dad, was one that I got in my hands. And then he also, there was something about the stock market. He said he bought something for five and sold for 15. And I got hooked and I started researching businesses. And But I was immediately not the Kiyosaki gambler or something like that, but I was an owner of businesses. And I my dream was to be financially free. I wanted to have a million invested, five, six percent growing dividends and simply be financially free. And uh, that's how I started back in 2001, I think. So I'm 20 years in now. And what was the first stock you bought, Sven? The first stock I bought was uh, Ericsson Nikola Tesla. It, it is a Croatian company, but it is owned by Ericsson. 
it was owned, it's still owned 49% by Ericsson. And at the moment when I bought it, talking about financial freedom, it was paying a dividend yield of 33%. Not 3.3, because everybody was thinking that Ericsson will take it out of the market or something like that, that the Swedish will trick us poor kids here in Croatia. But I was looking, okay, worst, worst case scenario, they pay me a premium of 30%. Was, was Ericsson 33% dividend because you were coming out of the tech bubble at that time in 2001? Did that, was, that, was there any reason to do with the tech bubble as to why you started investing at that uh, time? Ericsson, Nikola Tesla is a tech company because it provides all the things to 2G, 3G, 4G, and now 5G. And they go to all these countries to install all these systems and internet and everything. So it was a tech stock. But when stocks go down, everyone is selling. And 51% of the company was owned by employees. And they were all selling in panic because it's... You know, when stocks go down, everybody's selling no matter the value. And if you can find the value, which I thought 33% dividend yield was value, (laughs) then you can find your 10x stocks easily. And I suppose when it's quite heavily employee owned, those investors, because they probably wouldn't be investors as such because they're employee owned, they don't understand it as well as somebody who purposely went out and uh found the stock you know especially especially they just got everybody got i think it was a hundred stocks for nothing so it's just something that came oh if i sell my stocks now i can buy a car yeah and we just exited war communism so it was really a lot of money they had Mm. and uh, everybody was selling just to buy something and then when the stock started to go down because of the dot-com crash everybody was selling in panic let me sell as as long as I have something. Wow, that's that. Yeah, that's a really interesting. One. Do Do you remember at that time? Because this is what I'm trying to. I'm trying to find people who were investing at that time. Because I'm quite new to investing. You know, I'm. You know, I'm one of those new ones. You probably hate me because I'm. You know, I'm sort <laughs> of the new money to to the investing and just kind of having a go sort of thing. But um, I've 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 spoken to some investors who were around then and around to uh around uh 1970s as well what was the what were the thoughts and what were people saying back then because a lot of people were saying back then value is dead and all those sorts of questions and uh, all those sorts of sayings and is it the same this time are you hearing similar things to this Uh, was there a similar feeling in 2001 so so as when there is a bubble, like everyone discusses stocks, everybody investing, everybody is looking at something. And then when things crash, everyone shuts up. It's absolute <laughs> silence. I remember in 2007, we had the forum on, lo- on a local market and it had about 20,000 daily logins, 20,000. In 2010, it had about 10 daily logins. So when everyone is, when stocks go up, everyone wants to play the game. 
everyone is a genius in a bull market. Yeah. When stocks crash, nobody wants to talk about stocks. And if you mention stocks, everybody will run away from you. And that's the best time to buy, of course. Yeah. Now it's uh, everyone is so interested in stocks. Everyone has money, which is really a dangerous place. But then again, if you're an investor, you have to focus on what you own. And uh, don't chase uh, people with, I don't know, buying uh, stocks that will go to Mars or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I might have even just noticed that. And, you know, on, you could take a simple measurement on YouTube and some of those more hypier channels have probably seen quite a decline in their view viewership recently because a lot of those hypier stocks have kind of sold off over the start of the year. That might be something to measure maybe for the future. Um, so with yourself, what is your goal with investing and how far are you from it? And what did you, what do you want to achieve with investing? What's the, so when I started investing, my goal was, okay, I should, I want to reach a million. I want my dividends and I want to be financially free so that I can go fishing, that I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And I reached that very early. I think, I, as I said, a 10 bagger here, 43% dividend. I reached my financial freedom by 2006, let's wow. say. But wow. then I figured, I figured out it's a limited financial freedom because you have to sit tight. You have, that's your funds. You cannot sell everything, you, anything you cannot. But then I said, okay, maybe I'm too young to retire. So <laughs> in 2007, six, seven, I sold everything, everything, all the stocks. So that was luck, but also my stocks went up 10 times. So I sold yeah. everything. And then I, I bought a boat to enjoy diving. I paid for my PhD. I finished school, I found a job, started learning. Then uh, in 2009, I invested heavily again with everything I had. 2013, sold a lot because we wanted to explore the world, move to England, uh, learn a new wow. language, uh, and see, see what we are worth. And so it was mostly with stocks up till recently, it was just about exploring possibilities. So... Uh, never put in the stock market the money you need so i was always putting the money i didn't need but when it quadrupled quintupled oh look i can really increase the quality of my life with stocks and it has been just the goal i put it in stocks if i if i uh, multiply it increase the quality of my life and that's it and recently as i am older have a family settled down now I have a few portfolios and my goal is just to uh, drive them to a million, <laughs> let's say in 10, 15 years. And I'm on a good path now. So, so um, Sven, having achieved like loads and loads and loads, you described all the stuff that you've kind of done there and you've written a book as well. And pretty much um, everything about kind of investing is in that book somewhere or another. And people just need to read that carefully and properly. <laughs> What keeps you kind of motivated for doing YouTube videos? Because if you're a value investor, right, and you like value investing, you must get a lot of comments about people telling you you're crazy for not buying Bitcoin or Tesla or AMC or, or whatever, basically. You get the idea. I mean, is it just that yeah. you like people telling you that you're an idiot or, or something else keeps you going? Uh, when people tell me I'm an idiot, that's a good sign. Then I know I'm doing <laughs> the right thing. So that's always when I don't get 
when I don't get enough idiot comments, then I know I'm in treacherous water. So that's very important to know. As what, what keeps me motivated, for example, all the money I make from YouTube, uh, it's donated. So we have already refurbished about three, five schools in Nepal after the earthquakes there. We are helping locally with education. So uh, I think I will be like Buffett and will give 99.9% of our wealth away. So I really enjoy researching. I really enjoy looking at businesses and uh, trying to add as much value to people. And the feedback is really nice, both on YouTube, both on other platforms. So uh, I just enjoy what I do. And uh, money is not the first focus, let's say, of the things I do now. So I see that. That's really amazing. Paul, have you ever thought about refurbishing any Nepalese schools? Uh, I kind of uh, focus on the... Because people ask me about going into a junior ISA and buying stuff for my kids and things. And um, I kind of focus on the uh, aircraft style, uh, put your own oxygen mask on first. I mean, Sven is like far past that and i i'm nowhere near that at the moment i'm trying to 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 start off but um yeah let's work on me and then maybe my own kids and then i'll then i'll go for the nepalese school straight after as well Uh, i would i would would add here warren buffett in a recent interview said that for 70 years he did not have any financial concerns yeah so warren buffett he didn't have to think about money which allowed him to have his mind free and that's the best way to do rational investing decisions Mm. so of course first put your mask on yourself and then you are you will be okay and then you can start exploring and i would argue here with you don't put the mask on your kids let them find their own way because if you put everything served for them there would be snowflakes or something like that. So uh, give them an education and give them enough so that they don't have to, that they can do anything, but not too much that they don't have to do anything. Yeah, it's very well known that second generation and third generation wealth just destroys it, don't they? Because they've been sort of handed it it to them. Is there anything you're doing with your kids? Uh, to teach them like I, I, I suppose you're not trying to give them anything but I imagine you're gonna give them something it's just a bit of protection maybe but um, uh, what are you teaching them uh, how how do you teach them is there anything that you can sort of pass on to your kids in for investing so I have now a kid of uh, four and a half years and uh, I have been a high school teacher for five years I have been a university lecturer for three years so i've worked with a lot of kids and the the most important things you can teach them is self-confidence is uh, how to find solutions to the environment around around them because one day you are not going to be around them to give and the last thing i want with my kid is to see him as a spoiled brat so uh, my kid will get an education We'll get the knowledge, we'll get the possibilities, we'll get the traveling, we'll try to do as much as possible to expand his uh, horizons, his knowledge, his, let's say, life tool skill set. But as for money, 
he will not get, he will not inherit whatever I accumulate in life. It will all be donated to trusts or charities or something. <laughs> because I think that if I would, I don't know, tell him, okay, here you have a million or a house or you don't have to do anything in life, I would make a disservice to him. I, I do understand that because I think I sort of, yeah, I do, I do think that as well. But on the other hand, I do think uh, maybe I do want to just make life a little bit easier for them as well, because I feel like, I mean, I feel like I've struggled earlier, earlier in life and, and certainly never been taught anything. And that's something that's probably quite, there's a lot of anger here about that, especially in the investing community in the UK at the moment, is that we just not born with, we're not taught anything about this. I don't, it's, it's crazy. Exactly. You are, you're talking about education, not money. Yeah. When you have an education, you gave them everything. If you give them money, then they don't need an education because they think they have money and then they do the wrong things. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's it's crazy because it's just, I can't believe that we're not taught this. Is there any different education out there in Europe uh, that's different to the UK maybe that we that I, gets you into money and, and education? I think the school systems... The school systems are simply set up in a way that uh, you are not supposed to be taught financial education. Uh, the finan financial education on life investing education or personal finance is something for the elites. And if you know too much about finance, you will never vote for your government. Hmm. So for example- is that it's everywhere, Sven? Yes, yes, it's everywhere. For example, uh, Especially, I think, especially in the UK, in the US, you have this very separated uh, educational system where the rich kids go to Eton to become prime ministers and everybody else goes to whatever, whatever, whatever school they can get. And, uh, and it's, everything is structured in a way that you do your job, you put your head down, you shut up and you wait for your retirement. Hmm. But... If, me if somebody teaches you that inflation measured by the government is 2%, but if somebody teaches you how that is measured in school, then you would see that it's 5%. And then you would say, wait, you are giving me a pension for 2% inflation, but real inflation is 5%. So you are stealing 80% of my pension when I retire. Imagine if everyone would learn that at school, how would our politicians live, that the government steals 80% of your retirement <laughs> with oh. inflation. Yeah, I suppose we shouldn't get too political, but yeah, I, I, I totally agree. No, this, I, is not, this is not politics. Yeah. This is no. everywhere. Yeah. This yeah, is yeah. just how things work, not yeah. politics left, right, <laughs> or this or that. This is just how things work. You, tr yeah. you need to keep the people happy, but let's say in a state of ignorance so that they don't ask too many questions. So is all the uh, buzz on the internet right now with YouTube and many more internet resources for uh, investing like yourself, uh, like many other YouTubers out there and personal finance YouTubers, is there a bit of an awakening with uh, investing right now? Because I'm 
new to investing. I think Stephen's relatively new to investing as well. Do you kind of hate us like being brand new and trying to sort of stab at it? Or do you welcome it? Do you welcome the new investing way? I, I really, I really, really welcome it because uh, at the end, it's about the person. So maybe we are in a bubble now and it will uh, pop in a few years and uh, 80% of current investors will never touch the stock market. But there will still be 20% that will be be left i received so many emails uh, about sven i wish i knew about you in 1996 <laughs> because i lost everything in the dot-com bubble then i lost everything in the housing bubble and i just started building my portfolio from scratch if i had you 30 years ago i would now be a multi-multi-millionaire <laughs> because i was doing the wrong things so uh, that's also a reason why i like sharing what i do and because if I can help one person, I've done a great job. I know I cannot help any, everyone because people are still investing in, not to mention <laughs> any names. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I sometimes do. But yeah, it gets me into trouble every uh, now and then. I don't know. Let's, <laughs> let's take, I don't know, Virgin Galactic or something yeah. Uh, yeah. like that. So those, those are, then you have to teach people. Okay, that's... Uh, specific bet that's not investing that's really really a big big gamble with high risk and then you can discuss the upside but i try to discuss the risk and reward and i try hopefully that some people will understand the risk and reward and the outlook for such investments i wasn't going to ask you anything really recent but i'm, I'm gonna anyway uh with Charlie and uh, Warren talking on the sofa with Becky Quick the other day about Robinhood, do you think it's a good idea or a bad idea? You know, Robinhood, the app, and, and in the UK here, we have Free Trade and Trading 212, which are very, very similar. They're unlocking all of that new young money, as it were. Uh, and there's a lot of betting and stuff going on. Do you, what, what do you think about that? It's just gambling. It's terrible because it, they, they're, they, they, just think of the business model. The business model is about how to attract as many people to the platform. To attract people, you need to incentivize people with what they want. And what people want, they want fast money. So Robinhood and everything is structured so that people who want fast money, who want those things, get into the things and you see Robin Hood, you need to talk about these, these stocks that are hot and nobody explains the investing. And then you said the platforms were called free trading, trading. Mm. So yeah. you can make money by trading, 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 trading. Nobody talks about investing because investing, nobody makes any money. Wall Street doesn't make any money on Warren Buffett and Berkshire. Yeah. So they hate him. But... <laughs> If you go to these new Robin Hood stocks that are traded like a zillion times a day, everybody makes money except in the long the term, investor. the investor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the only issue is you have to be smart. And of course, if you get free trades, 
okay, you can take them, but then you, you have to be smart not to fall under the influence of the likely three times a day emails. Oh, you missed this move. You missed this hot stock. This is the hottest stock. Trade this, trade that. And if you can avoid being under the influence of that, then it's okay. Well, to be honest but with you, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what answer I was going to get from that. And that's amazing. That's a, that's a, that's a good offense for me, Sven. Uh, okay, a little bit of investment. I would, just, I would just add here another very important thing. You have that retirement plan in uh, what's called in the UK. Uh, I don't know what ISA or something like that. Yeah, ISA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, and if a broker, those free brokers are not under that system, then it's really, really bad because they incentivize gambling and everything. So uh, that's very important. And if it is like long-term investing for retirement, tax advantages and everything, then it's okay because then you're starting thinking, okay, I'm doing this for my retirement, not for some gambles. So that's also, I think, a threshold one can think about. Yeah, that's brilliant. Okay, so we'll get more onto investing if that's okay, because you talked about 80% of the people that are in investments right now. If there is the mother of all crashes, you know, that Michael Burry style mother of all crashes, if it is coming, you know, a lot of people are sort of preparing for it. I've noticed a lot of people in my comments have been saying, like, I'm holding cash because I'm waiting for the crash to happen. But it could be years, right? It could be years for that to happen. When your stocks go down, inevitably, as the whole market goes down, do you ever get worried yourself? Because you've been through a couple of crashes now. Do you, do you ever get worried yourself? And what keeps you, I don't know, holding? And how strong is your stomach, basically? Is it, is it pretty good? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. And uh, so I've been last year in March, my portfolio crashed, I think, 55%. So that's a significant crash. And what did I do? I just bought, I was buying like crazy. I even took some leverage that was part of my strategy to buy more. And uh, I simply enjoyed the 50% discounts on anything that I already like. And that's also something that people have to understand from investing. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, so the holy grail of investing, every 12 years, it crashes 40 to 50%. And that has been the case statistically over the last 50 years. So approximately every 10 to 15 years, it goes down from top tick to bottom tick 50%. Berkshire Hathaway from Warren Buffett. So you cannot avoid these crashes. You You just have to accept it as a given. And then you know, okay, I have 10 years to compound this crazy. When a crash comes, I have to try to find the money and the courage and the stomach to buy more. And that's it. So Sven, I mean, Paul was talking about crashes and people being interested in them. I am a pretty avid Sven follower on YouTube. I think you said in one of your videos that any of your videos that have crash in the title get more views than any of your videos that don't, is that right? Yes. So for example, if I put stock market crash ahead, I am immediately at 100,000 to 150,000 views. If I put really interesting small cap investment analysis where I spend days on it, I get 10,000 views and the performance on YouTube is terrible. So 
if I, I would be a rich YouTube person if I would make free YouTube crash videos a day. <laughs> yeah, no one wants just, to be... just put that one out there for Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll, we'll title the video this video <laughs> something like that maybe. And just, uh... just just title the video. Uh, Sven Kerlin predicts humongous yep. crash ahead. <laughs> just title it like that, and it will be your best. Your best, and put the uh, put the thumb with crashing in my face and. and <laughs> And you will see it will be your best video ever. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll avoid uh, Hungarian oil stocks or utility stocks or something like that. And uh, <laughs> no one wants to listen to them. Um, Steve, do you have the questions up? You, do you want to ask any of these questions? That I, I do. Should I pick one up? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, here's a question about investing that I find really interesting. It's kind of a selfish question for me. But I'm an academic, basically, by training. And... Buffett talks a lot about finding your kind of circle of competence. And I'm not really sure what that is for me in investing terms, because it's really hard to buy a university. I'd be pretty good at analysing a university, I think, as a business. I work in them. I have a decent idea of how they function and so on. But I kind of find it hard to work out kind of what my circle of competence might be. How do you, how do you think about yours? So as an academic uh, university, you have, uh, I think Coursera also has a stock now or everything has a stock now. Yeah. But when it comes yeah, I to- I don't like that one though. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to investing, when it comes to investing, it's about circle of competence. Okay, is this really a good university? Yes. Will students be coming to this university for the next 50 years? Yes. Okay, why don't I look for some real estate? What's the price of the real estate student? And what's the yield there? How can I structure the leverage? And then you start just looking at what you know. University, okay, education is one thing. Uh, and it has been exploding recently online and everything. So the more you know about something, then you'll find the niches and how it works and what works best. So... And the more you research as an academic, you do research and you learn, you read and understand things. And then you see how things work. And when you find something low risk and high potential upside, then you invest. There you go. So, there you go, Steve. Yeah. So just uh, get yourself onto the Oxford University uh, Real Estate Investment Trust. I I'm guessing there is one, right? <laughs> No, the, the problem with Oxford is that there's so much money that it's all just privately owned and nobody has any intention of selling anything at exactly. all, at any price, pretty much. That's, that's what I figured. That is what I figured. I mean, it does have a massive moat, both in the, the business sense and in a literal sense. <laughs> so, Sven, right. We have a we have quite a, a, a young audience watching us, uh, like, you know, sort of the 20s. Um. And these guys do want to take bigger risks. Do you think it's better to take those bigger risks when you're younger, particularly investing, but in anything else, really? Uh, anything else with life? Because I know you took a few risks when you were younger. So when it comes to investing, one should always avoid risk. Because investing is about compounding. And if you're young, you have the biggest investment advantage compared to any, anyone else, which is time. So you, Warren Buffett says, you want to be a great investor? Start young. So if you're all young, you can start really, really 
to compound things and start now. And it's incredible what you can do in 20, 30, 50 years. And when it comes to risk, depends how you define risk. Uh, because doing something crazy, gambling is stupid, where the odds are against you. But if you can find things where the odds are really working for you, then it's the time to really hammer down and work on the risk. But you have to always think about risk and reward. That's investing. And that's, that's something that's very, very difficult because if you are real value investors, first think about what can go wrong and then think about what can go right. And that's something, that's a concept that people have a hard time understanding. So that would be the first concept that I would teach such a young audience, risk and reward. Don't worry, I am still here. My camera's just turned off. Um, so, okay, we'll keep it, we'll keep it going. No one wants to look at me, it's fine. Okay, so a bit of a harder question because I find this one really hard to answer myself, but broad-based indexes, Everyone says that we should be just picking, even the buff, even the buff saying it, that we should just be picking up some ETFs some broad-based index funds and investing in those and ignoring stocks. Do you ever get tempted to just take that advice and do it yourself? Or I suppose you've, you're already financially free, so you've, you can take a lot more risk and you have a lot more freedom with this. But for someone like myself, would you say buying a broad-based index fund is just where we should be no i think you should think you should think okay if i look at the sap 500 index what can i expect as a return so there is a dividend yield of two percent okay am i happy with two percent per year there is likely there are good businesses great businesses best american businesses there's likely growth ahead of 2-3% alongside inflation. So 2% dividend plus 3%. I'm at a long-term return of 5%. So that's the approach. That's the risk-reward investing approach. What can go wrong? Indexes can always crash 50%. What do I do if it happens? If you're a real investor and say, okay, if indexes, indexes crash 50%, I buy more, I keep just setting aside my money over the long term, no matter what, through thick and thin, then you're a great investor. You don't have to spend a minute a day looking at the market. You just automatically invest in index funds. And in 50 years, you will be great. But you also have an option. Now we are at 5%. Okay, if I buy a house with a mortgage, put the down payment, I can maybe get to 10% because real estate give... 4% if I compare my rent. And then it's always about finding opportunities and comparing opportunities. So index funds with the right strategy should be great for the average investor that doesn't want to spend a minute thinking about investing. If you are listening to this podcast 40 minutes in, then you are not that person <laughs> because you already spent more time than you should spend on investing in stocks in 40 years. Yeah, because index funds, okay, everything is automatic. I don't think about it. I'm happy if it crashes because I can accumulate more. So if you have such a mindset and you're happy with five to seven percent long term, 
no matter the ups and downs, then yes. But if you want more, if you want, let's say, less upside, if you start thinking, okay, can I compare, can I find better than 5%? What other options are there? Then I really think I never liked being average in life. So I always strive for better. <laughs> and if I would have invested 20 years ago, putting my money into index funds, I would be a poor kid still living in a former communist country. And that's just where I wanted to go. I just wanted to step it up one extra layer because if anyone's able to answer this question, it's going to be you because I struggle to answer it myself. When 98% or 90% of market makers or money money managers don't beat the market, uh, what makes it possible for someone else to do it? And obviously you're a believer that you can beat the market why right. should we think we can as, as well? So when I started investing 20 years ago, my home country index was at 1,200 points. That was 20 years ago. Today, the index is at 2,000 points. So it didn't even double over 20 years. So that's terrible performance. So if I would have invested in indexes, I would be a terrible investor because there is the SAP 500 that did remarkably well, but there are other 500 indices that also might not do, will certainly not do as well. So my, my idea is I don't care. Stop thinking about the market. Start thinking about what kind of return for the relevant risk is good for you. If somebody would tell me that I can get real returns of 15% per year for the next 10 years, but that the market might do 20% returns, I would sign immediately. I'm happy with 15% real returns over 10 years. That's mm. my target. Yeah. If the market mm -hmm. does 20, great. I'm happy for all the other richness in the world. Everybody <laughs> will be richer. Great. But... So I really don't know what the market will do. And now we are in a period where the markets did really well for the last 40 years. But we have also seen periods in time when markets did really bad for 25 years. So I, would, I prefer to focus on dividends, on what's good for me. What's the return I need to reach my financial goals? Not about the market. Who cares about the market? If the market crashes, 60% and your portfolio crashes 50%. Are you happy? Well, that's, that's, that's it, isn't it? It's, uh, it's something that I, I have been through that because I, I was investing before the COVID crash. So I, I, I went through a bit of it and my stomach wasn't very strong because I think I was very new at that time, but I stayed. That's very important as, as well. I, I wasn't one of the new ones. So it, it is, it is hard. It's, it's very hard to think. And um, yeah, I get asked that question a lot. And uh, that's a great answer, to be honest with you. It's good to hear it from somebody who, who actually knows how to answer that question, which is great. For me, it's always about what you own, not about the market. I yeah. really, really don't care about stock prices because I know stock prices can go up and down all the time. And I know that there is a statistical chance that all the indices, if interest rates go up, the S&P 500 or the FTSE or everything 
will be 70% down in seven years. There is a possibility that that can happen. There you have your crash title and thumbnail. But that can, <laughs> that can really happen. So one should really think, okay, what can happen? And how does that fit me personally? You have your financial goals, you have spouses, you have your kids, you have your plans in life. And then you have to structure things. Okay, how can I structure my financial life so that it gives more value to me? Who cares about what the market in Australia or the market in the, S in the US does? You care about your financial life and you have to reach your financial goals. And you have to find the investments that will lead you there. Uh, if your goal is outperforming the market, yes, the market can go down 70%. You can go down 60%, but I don't think you would be happy that you outperform the market. So it's really about what you own, how you own it, why you own it, what do you get from that investment. And to keep talking about Buffett, he says, you whatever you should buy, you should buy it and imagine that the stock market would close for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's such an overused quote, but it's so powerful. And actually no one goes deep enough to think about it. Mm. When you buy something, try to think, okay, am I happy owning this? Really, if tomorrow the government says, okay, we're going to close down the stock market for 10 years because we are pissed off by these Robin Hood traders and everything, would I be happy owning that business for 10 years? 10 years and that's a key question to ask yourself before buying anything and if the answer is yes i would be happy owning that business for 10 years then everything becomes so easy if it goes down you buy more if it goes up well that's other then you have other problems to deal with i love that that is if, if there's any bit of information to take away from this i think that's a really really good one because I, I don't think people think like that. And if I'm honest with you, I don't think I've ever properly thought like that. I do follow the whole, the whole mantra of the, the whole buying businesses. Cause I, I spend way too much time looking at businesses and sort of knowing what I own. And I, I do my best to, to think in that way, but I hadn't thought, Oh yeah. If I can't trade out of this right now, would I be happy staying in it? Would I be happy just taking the cash flow and, and stuff like that? And in 10 That's years difficult. when it came to it, Okay. That's typical human behavior. So we are wired for the short term. That's because of evolution. Our brains are wired. So uh, fight or flee. So uh, really wired to react instinctively and fast and get things immediately. I'm hungry. I need to reward. So that's how we are wired. But that's a terrible wiring for investing. So investing is about long term, about compounding and if I would take statistical numbers, I think 85% of people will never understand investing. They're always, okay, where will the stock go? This stock will go up. I just spoke to, um, uh, for charity, I do some individual chats and then people give for charity. I just mm -hmm. spoke to a guy and he said he bought Virgin Galactic because when they do a good launch, the stock will go up. <laughs> and he doubled his money yeah. on that. But I told him what would have happened, what would have happened if the rocket exploded? <laughs> he would have lost all of his money. So th that is yeah. betting. But real investors think, okay, what happens if I own Virgin Galactic for the next 10 years? Yeah. They say, okay, I can lose everything, 
but I can also make big money. So what's the strategy there? Okay, what, do I, what happens if I own 100 businesses like Virgin Galactic? And then you're already talking about investing because, okay, of those 190 will go bankrupt, five will do nothing, and five will be the next Amazons, the next Googles, which will cover for all the losses. That's investing. So it's always about structuring the risk reward. Looking at where the stock price will go is just a waste of time, especially in periods of six, three to six months or a year. So um, as you said, you're wasting too much time on that. But it's a, but it's a new paradigm, Sven. It, this time it's different, right? That's that's uh... yes, 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 and uh, <laughs> and 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 it works for you like it will work for the rest of eighty-five percent of the population. Right? So, okay. Uh, so the next, the next in twenty twenty-three, the most uh, mass-produced cars will be Ferraris and Lamborghinis and. Uh, I don't know, Ford will go bankrupt because everyone is so rich that nobody will buy a Ford. <laughs> Love it. Okay, I've just got a couple more for you, Sven, if that's okay. So uh, we've just got one question. It's in bold here. So one of these guys really wanted to ask it. Um, yeah, it wasn't me. Okay, it was, it was Steve D. Steve, if you're watching <laughs> this, then yeah, we're asking you a question. Um, so you did your brown meat video very recently, uh, and we learned that you were vegetarian in that. I'm, I'm not vegetarian, but the missus is. Uh, I go veggie every now and then, but uh, I'm not specifically... Uh, I, go, like, I, I don't specifically avoid meat or anything. Are you vegetarian for animal esg reasons or is it just because you don't sort of like meat i know it's just no we're leading so, to an investment question <laughs> okay so since i was a kid i don't know why i never liked meat but i come from a meat eating uh, well, environment where you simply yeah. eat three times meat 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 and uh, when i met my missus then uh, <laughs> she was a vegetarian and a nutritionist and everything and uh, she started cooking for us and I simply never looked back like I would uh, I would eat meat or something but I love uh, diving spear fishing so I tomorrow okay. I we go we go to the sea because I come from the Mediterranean Sea and uh, tomorrow I go spear fishing so I try to catch some fish and uh, we eat the fish that I catch, for example. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, because this I was sort of leading you to a question about values and any particular values that you might have. I, I don't know what, I don't know if you hate oil. You probably don't hate oil. You probably don't hate mining. I was going for the vegetarian angle, really. But would you ever invest in anything that was against your values? That's, that's a really, really good question because... Um, I try to really, when it comes to investing and doing the job as an investor, then I have to think about risk rewards, structuring those things. And uh, I'm simply a numbers guy. I'm autistic to all emotions. I'm unemotional. I'm anything. So when you ask me about values, we can start, we can debate about that endlessly. So I really don't think about that uh, that much. 
I'm just thinking if people are smart, I have to position myself in a way so that I get advantage of the good things that are going on in the world. So if this is right and this does good, then people will follow, then the investment will do good. So actually it goes hand in hand. If it does wrong to people, if it is a bad investment for the world, for this, for that, then it will not be a good investment. So it goes really hand in hand if you think about it a little bit more long term. If yeah, it's like... not good for the environment, it's unsustainable, people will stop using it. Look at coal, look at cigarettes. So uh, from an investing autistic numerical perspective, I have nothing against investing in cigarettes. But I saw the trends and then I'm thinking, okay, the trend is negative, better avoid. And you simply... You simply follow also the, the risk and reward. And if a company is not doing good, then also the risk is high and therefore you don't invest. So it's both ESG mm-hmm. and risk and reward value investing go mm-hmm. hand in hand. Yeah, I like that because there, there is a bit of a trend going on at the minute where people are trying to invest for the future, for the betterment of humanity and the, the stocks that have gone vastly overvalued or we've seen that exuberance in are often involved in this narrative you know of the narrative of uh, okay but that's okay but that's a narrative and if you go into narratives then 95 percent of every narrative is pure bullshit <laughs> <laughs> so Love it. so if you if you just dig if you just dig deep and you go actually to read things about if tesla makes a car it uh, finds Ooh. lithium in Argentina. They, then, they send that lithium to Japan. Then they make the battery. Then they send the battery back to America. Then they make the parts for the car. Then they put the car on a boat. They ship it to the Netherlands. They assemble it. And then they sell it again somewhere else. So if that has anything to do with sustainability or ESG, shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no so, he said the t word so, he should, he's gonna ring a bell or something so 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 that's okay if you really go deep and dig into okay but if you say okay i want to help the world i have a garden in front of my house we eat as much vegetables as, that we can buy from local farmers so it doesn't have to be produced in the netherlands shipped to the store here or something if you look at your your carrots at your local tesco's it's likely made in the netherlands or something like that you can buy it from your local farmer it's healthier it's better you can grow it yourself and then there are so many ways people can do good but they don't want to think oh i put my thousand pounds into that stock and i feel good that's bullshit in my perspective Hmm. all right that's that's excellent um Right, we haven't asked you anything about stocks, and unfortunately, a lot of people will want to know your opinion on certain things. So, if it's okay with you, at the end of this, just to finish it off, we want to play a little game. Every week, we kind of play a, a little game with ourselves. It's it's quite fun, and this week we've developed a game called Sven Carl in or Sven Carl out. So basically, we just want to take your very <laughs> Short opinion right. on on 
certain uh, investment. There's there's a few stocks in here by the looks of things. Uh, as, mm-hmm. Just your opinions on it. And uh, tell us whether you're Sven Carl in or Sven Carl out. I can't believe we're doing this. I can't believe we're doing this. I can't believe we're doing this. All right. I sort of think... I, w- I want to say this is beneath us, but it's not beneath us. It's probably beneath Sven, but it's not beneath <laughs> you and me. <laughs> well, you are you are you are too exuberant about investing, and you're also overestimating me. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely stuff. Okay, okay, quick fire then, Sven. Um, what we, right. I'm I'm just in the, this list because I didn't actually create any any on this list, so. Um, nope. let's go with it. Cause this, this all says SW and SD. So Briscoe hasn't asked any of these. I'll try and figure one out by the end of it. So the first one on their list is Verizon. Sven Carl in or Sven Carl out. What do you think? Uh, I'm in for dividend investors, safety and, uh, for slow and steady. It really good business, strong mode, a little bit risky on the debt side, but, uh, yeah. I should but, say I, I, I bought Verizon about half an hour ago. Yeah. Oh, did you? Ooh. <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> Full disclosure there, Carol. apparently. Oh, okay. Carlin so, in. <laughs> Sven, he's Sven Carlin in there. Uh, so next one is Disney. Sven Carlin, Sven Carl out. I made a video about Disney about two years ago where I said that uh, the Netflix option was completely not priced in. Now it's priced in, so I think I would call it a little bit more risky, but still good business, still uh, really good, but likely now a little bit more exuberantly priced. So uh, let's say if Verizon is in from a value investing, this one, let's say now out. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I think we we agree with you. I didn't see that video. I've never actually seen you talk about Disney, so uh, that'd be an interesting one to see. I came to the same conclusion, um, probably not two years ago, but uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, so the next one, uh, Sven Carl in, Sven Carl out on Next Era Energy. There's, there's a lot of stocks in this one, Steve. <laughs> the, we, we get onto Next other things Energy. in a minute. <laughs> I didn't dig deep into it, but they constantly issue shares and they constantly finance and they constantly do deals in a very exuberant market, which is too risky because I have seen a lot of these house of cards simply unfold. And I don't know enough to say whether it is a house of cards based on liabilities and leverage or not. So I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> but I would I would look into that if I would be interested into a company like that. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, so I'm going to say Sven Carl out on that one because he's he's risk averse. So that's it. Yes, uh, definitely for me I'm out on that. the risk because I yeah. looked, I saw too risky. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> um, that makes sense. One of your previous favorites, I believe, Southern Copper. Southern mm. Copper. All right, Southern Copper looked like a really good business but now it all depends on copper now i think it has crashed a little bit but it for me it has to crash a lot more yeah i i with we're throwing you a lot of low balls here because this is this is i already know the answer to some of these i i have the answer i'll i'll uh, i'll say you i'll tell you immediately in the next recession i'm in yeah that that makes a lot of sense 
in fairness to Steve and me, here's what that's doing on that list. Uh, it looks like a low ball, but both Steve and I bought this around the time of Sven's video, sort of a year, a year and a half ago or something like that. Uh, and it roughly doubled for us. And then it retreated back to about 60 or so. And we were sort of wondering, OK, we weren't interested in buying it after it had doubled. We were interested in buying it before it doubled. We wondered where Sven sort of felt about it kind of at the moment, because there's, it's quite a way between those. Of things. course, uh, when, when, when copper stocks doubled or tripled, the, the risk mm -hmm. went up mm -hmm. and the return yeah. went down. So it's yeah. always about yeah. balancing that with other options. So sure. for now, let's say it's uh, medium risk, medium reward which mm -hmm. is not the case what it was <laughs> a year ago when it was absolute sure. dirt cheap, no risk, extreme reward. Okay, that's, you can't ask for a more in-depth view than that, guys. That's pretty good. Right, so I've got Steve W is asking, Sven Karl in, Sven Karl out on Warren Buffett. What, what was your angle there, Steve? Well, we sort of touched on it already a little bit here. I mean, Buffett is a big advocate of the idea that people should stop picking stocks and buy the S&P uh, quite a bit. Sven is not a fan of that idea from what I, I understand. Think I not, Buffett, Buffett is also not a fan of that, but Buffett says, I never told anyone in my life to invest in Berkshire. So he says, if you don't want to spend any minute on investing, then invest in an index fund. But if you mm -hmm. want to learn about investing, then you can talk to me. But he, he knows that when he's speaking on CNBC, he's talking to 99% of the population where he knows that they would do better to automatically mm. invest in index funds, set it and forget it. Don't think about it, but be sure to especially buy through thick and thin. So and I do have another angle here on this, actually. Just, just um, on Buffett. Sorry, go on. Yeah. Just on Buffett, uh, watch what he does, not what he says. Nah, that's a very popular I think that's a good thing principle to say. In general, for yeah. what it's worth, yeah. I mean, one thing he's done, at least, or I think I was reading that he's done, is buy back Berkshire Hathaway in the last quarter or so. I think you sold out of Berkshire Hathaway, right? Uh, yes, I think we bought again a year ago, and then it went up about 60 70 percent. And it's such a stable company, it's such a good business, it's such really, really something so stable that. It will not grow fast, so I'm just looking for better opportunities. So again, when it was giving a 10% earnings yield, I mm -hmm. say it was low risk, good reward for Berkshire. Now it's around 6-7% long term, which is medium risk, medium uh, reward. So uh, still excellent, still great, but I just had a posi small position, so maybe I'll come back. You never know. All right, can you spend Colin on Warren Buffett? Over to yeah, you. I'd go with I go I go with Sven Carl in there. Promised you, Sven. We've only got three more for you. Three more, so that you won't be around forever. I'm just giving you some light at the end of the tunnel on this one. <laughs> um, we we've got uh, the next one is Copper. I'm going to tell you that he's Sven Carl out now because he's. I think he believes we're in the top of a, a, a copper cycle there. But the next one after that is Lithium, Sven. Are you Sven Carl in or Sven Carl out? Uh, Sven Carl out because I've listened two, three years ago to Lucas Landin, which is one of the best investors in mining stocks from copper, Landin mining, uh, from ura uranium and everything. And he said that lithium is very, very hard to invest in. 
So it is a great speculative, but from an investing perspective, it's very, very hard. And I spent a lot of time looking at, and there is so much lithium in the Earth's crust. They just need to be incentivized to dig it out and they can dig it out at 2,000 to 3,000 all over Europe, England. They can dig it out at 2,000, $3,000 per ton. So the current price of 10, 12,000 is really incentivizing them to put on the big mining guns. And when they do that, it's too risky. Speculatively, Mm. it was, of course, a great play, but long term, uh, I think it will even out if it will boom. So that's the complexity of investing in lead. It's complex. That's That's it. You really, you need to be a speculator to speculate in it. And I prefer investing. That's very good. Okay. uh, So next one, big tech, Sven Karl in, Sven Karl out, big tech. In. In. As in to invest because in? They are, yes, because they are building moats. Uh, as time passes, uh, the moats are getting bigger and bigger. The cash flows are getting bigger and bigger. They are in, investing in better and better businesses, servicing everything. So uh, from a business perspective, I'm really, really in. That's of good. course, I bought Apple in 2016, but that's different. <laughs> oh, a little slide in there. Oh, oh Sven did really well on <laughs> Apple in case anyone didn't know. <laughs> I would point out, though, that one of the reasons I'm not interested in Apple at the moment is from watching Sven's videos. I mean, his stuff around no, buybacks it, and Apple has really been convincing it, to me. I would point it that depends out. on valuation, so it depends also on your expected return. Apple is now, what, five times what it was. So the return is five times smaller and the risk is five times bigger. So that's something to keep in mind. But the businesses like big tech, Google is a great business. Microsoft is a great business. So, And when you own great businesses, let's say from an average investing perspective, you can't go really wrong. If it goes down, you buy more. If it goes up, you're okay. So uh, Amazon is such a great business. So if... Yeah, not to mention Barber, so which you were quite go wrong, yeah. interested in recently. Alibaba, um, you were quite yeah, positive yeah, on yeah, them just, recently, weren't you? The risk reward is really pretty positive. So I've made a few scenarios. I think a week, two weeks ago, I spent seven, eight days working, wrote, wrote a 70, 80 page report on them. And the risk reward for investing in them is pretty, pretty positive. When you look at what they're doing, how they're doing it, and when you analyze the situation around them, it's mostly sentiment because everyone hates China, of course, you need someone to hate. But what they're doing, businesses, always such businesses will be hated and up and down. But uh, from an investing perspective, few things can go wrong with such companies, Tencent, Alibaba. And there's one more that I need to ask you because you're you Carl in on big tech, which we weren't sure if you were going to be in or out on it. That's a, that's a very good one. Um, but Steve D, who's not here today, wanted to ask you, breaking up big tech, how do you feel about breaking up big tech? Carl in, Carl out? Irrelevant. Irrelevant. So, I, I, irrelevant. I thought you were going to say that. I did think you were going to say that. I guessed in my head, I went, 
this doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter, does it? Irrelevant. What, 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 uh, if we go back to ESG companies, do you know what every company is doing? Okay, let's just sell our bad assets and we are sustainable. Yeah, and the bad <laughs> factories and the bad assets are just sold to a new company that is not sustainable, that is say, selling the product to Africa where they don't care about it or India. Yeah. And you just go on. So it's like splitting yeah. big tech. Okay, you're going to separate Facebook and Instagram and then they're just going mm. to make a contract and that's it. Or yeah. you want to go back to, or you want to go to communism and that's totally different thing (laughs) well that that was probably where i was going to go to next for you is i know you're talking about we're talking about from an investment perspective that yeah breaking up big tech probably doesn't really matter because they'll just all contract out to each other anyway but from to i don't like to get too political but from a humanity humanitarian point of view what do you think do you think big tech's Mm -hmm. good at the moment do you think it's too invasive or data mining problems or what do you think? Uh, Depends on the company. For example, Facebook is really, really playing with your mind. They are really looking how the dopamine reacts and they are looking at your actions and they're trying to make you addictive to it. But on the other hand, some other businesses like Amazon, okay, I want this and this book. I'm living in the mountains in Slovenia. I go to Amazon Germany. I click on those books and buy it. And in a few days, I have it at home and I can read those books so I can make Hmm. a book review. So nobody is controlling my mind there. So there is good and bad. I think in China, they a few years ago, they limited the amount of time a person can be on an app which I agree, for example. Yeah. I think uh, all those gamings, they limited it. They say you can be so many hours and that's it. So uh, I think I, it's always about, I'm more about individual responsibilities there. So of course, wasting time on Facebook or wasting time <laughs> about looking YouTube crash videos, that's a waste <laughs> of time. But who am I to tell you oh. that? <laughs> <laughs> Who am I to tell you how you should spend your time? Oh, um, uh, speaking of time, how much more time have you got, Sven? Do you, you, we can go on if you want. To... I, I mean, we haven't really got much more. I was kind of going to end it there, but I, I, I'm kind of like intrigued as to just what your day's like. Like, what when you wake up, what does Sven Carlin do in a day? What? <laughs> When I w- wake up, uh, I uh, cook some porridge for uh, <laughs> us. Not too much detail. We eat the porridge. <laughs> Not too much. I, bring, <laughs> I, bring, I bring my kid to, day, uh, to daycare, come home, um, work, research, look at businesses, uh, analyze stocks, look at the earnings reports and that. And uh, at four o'clock, daycare is over, so... So you, you're spending and, uh, a good part of your day, like a nine to five on researching stocks still? Yes, yes, yes. Eight yeah. to four. Uh, I do a, a, I don't know, I work from eight to 10, 11. Then I go yeah. for a bike ride for an hour or something like that. And then yeah. from four, it's family time. And then at night, uh, videos or editing or uh, commenting and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I spend my nine to five research and my eight, nine to 10, 11, talking to guys uh, from the UK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It's a, it's a, 
It's, it's, are you not going to rest? Because you, you, you know, you're financially free, and I know you enjoy you enjoy it that much to do this. Uh, actually, I think people should first understand what financial freedom is by testing it, and mm. then you get the you get bored the hell yeah. out of it. Yeah. So uh, okay, it's beautiful to be free. Okay, tomorrow it's Thursday, and uh, at one we leave. We go for a long weekend, we relax, I'll be reading some books, I'll be doing this, I'll be doing that. That's nice, but just doing nothing is oh, too boring. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think the difference on, on that there, as somebody, I mean, you probably don't even remember what it's like to have that monetary pressure on you. you I probably don't, don't remember. I remember because I sold everything uh, six, seven years ago to move yeah. to England. So I had to find the job, I had to work, I had to everything. But I remember before starting my job in Bloomberg, I would get up at four o'clock and write articles and do things to try yeah. to get to financial freedom. So uh, <laughs> and that, I know and that was so, Sven, that was something I was going to touch on earlier, but I just kind of skipped over it. I, I left it because I thought, I, I, you know what, it's, it's not, not too much to uh, point out. But I think it's really important to point out that you've been financially free and then you stopped and you like put you just put it all back into your life and you've done it twice you've you've essentially become financially free twice uh yes but always (laughs) at a higher level so actually three times so one Ah. and then i said okay this is this is not enough let's reinvest it in myself Two, reinvest it in myself and now there is nothing more to reinvest so now i can reinvest in myself without needing anything so uh, i don't have any financial concerns anymore and uh, that's really really nice so i can really do whatever i want so that's that's good but i really enjoy what i do and i don't see myself stopping in the next 50 years but i have the luxury i have the luxury for example now i won't put any videos on youtube for two weeks for example because I simply do other things or research and I don't have to force myself to put the video. Yeah. That that's it. It's it's that's crazy. It's and that you've been able to do something that I'm trying my hardest to figure out and do. So um yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Uh I think we'll we'll leave it there. If unless Steve, you've got anything else you wanted to ask Sven? Yeah, I've got nothing else on the list, Paul. Uh, <laughs> no. it's been really great having Sven though. It's been tremendous for me. Yeah, brilliant. It's it's been. Thank you so much. I, we've just lost my camera again, but um, thank you so thank much you for having me. It was really really nice. I really enjoyed it. So I really like the cuddling out, cuddling in questions. So we can do this anytime <laughs> you want. <laughs> oh well, that's Crazy. it. We, we've got we've got Sven on uh, on speed dial now. So there you go. Uh, thank you so much to everyone for uh, listening and watching today on YouTube and our podcasts. Uh, you can listen to our podcasts on Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify and Audible, and also on uh youtube where this video will be uh i don't know where it's going to go it might even go to sven's channel we're not we're not sure yet um so you can see us on our playing footsie podcast channel uh search for playing footsie and you can also see my channel paul briscoe uh if you want to uh check that out on youtube thank you so much sven for coming and having this chat with us i 
this this has been better than I had imagined. If I'm honest, so we we found out a lot more about you than we do in your videos, and I, and if if anything, I'm I'm just happy about that. To if this recording doesn't work, then I'll be happy. <laughs> Good. Great to hear. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. And uh, we'll so uh, leave any comments below in the YouTube video if you wanted to. And uh, we will see you next week. Thank you. I'm amazed how many people own stocks. I'm amazed how many people own stocks. The sucker's going up. <laughs>